Welcome to Twice Born Podcasts. My name is Mike Bailey. Thank you so much for listening. We'd love to get your feedback, and if you have any questions, please go to twiceborn.net. You can also find us on social media. I hope that you find this podcast helpful and informative. God bless. It is true, we have joy because he is our king. And we are celebrating because he is our king. And so today as we gather here uh, together as a family, we're a body of Christ. um, And we are here seeking to know him and to worship him better. Advent, uh, the first Advent, they were waiting for the Messiah to come. We're still in Advent for his second coming. We're anticipating his return to make things right and to reign as king of kings and lord of lords. And so as we celebrate, let's not forget that it wasn't just an exciting time when the shepherds were in the fields, but it's an exciting time now as we look forward to the Lord's return. And we're going to focus in on joy today. I don't know if you've experienced joy. I hope you've had a lot of joy in your life. Uh, A lot of people seek happiness Uh, They seek happiness through relationships. They seek happiness through their job. They seek happiness through uh, trips and different things. But you know, the difference between joy and happiness is that joy isn't up to your circumstances. Joy is internal. It's something that God gives you. That in the midst of the hardest, most difficult day of your life, you can find the joy of the Lord. And so the beauty of joy is that it's greater than happiness. Did you know it's greater than happiness? And so we get to celebrate that we have something greater than happiness, greater than fun, greater than a good time. We have joy. And that's why we say joy to the world. And so as we continue looking at this, uh, being thankful for what God has given us, being thankful for who we are in him, being thankful that we uh, can celebrate his birth. Uh, I love Christmas because there are certain Christmas movies that I enjoy watching. I don't know about you, if you have a favorite Christmas movie, uh, some of you have funny Christmas movies you like. I enjoy black and white movies, and one that comes on this time of year is It's a Wonderful Life. How many of you have seen It's a Wonderful Life? All right, so I'm going to spoiler for those who haven't seen it. I'm sorry I'm ruining it. You've had probably 70 years to see this movie, so (laughs) I don't know. I'm spoiling it too bad. Uh, But the main character, who spells his name wrong, it's Bailey. He spells it B-A-I-L-E-Y. It's totally off. B-A-Y-L-Y is the right spelling. But uh, he, he finds himself in a small town, and he wants to get out of that small town, And he wants to see the world. He wants to be successful. He wants to have all these things happen in his life. But through all of these different circumstances, his father dying, uh, the company that he takes over has so many different issues that keep him stuck in this town that's run by a corrupt leader. And throughout the movie, he just continues to fight for the, for the innocent people, fight for the people that need help and not to abuse his power. And, and he gets to a place where a circumstance happens that's out of his control, and it seems like it'd be better if he had never been born. And that's what he convinces himself of. And so uh, he asks or requests that. He has a guardian angel that's there and actually grants that wish that he can see what the world would look like if he never existed. And then he comes and sees how horrible it would have been if the things he had done hadn't happened and the impact his one life had made on so many. And so at the end of the movie, he returns to the, to the, the challenges he has, but now he has a completely different perspective on it, all because he got to see what the world would look like if he wasn't there. And I think one of the powerful principles of this movie is that it reveals that power and money and achievement is not what life is about. 
And really at the very core or heart of the movie, it's about relationships. That caring about people is important. That you find the joy of the Lord. The, the, God gives you joy and it gives him joy when you love people. And throughout the movie, even though it's kind of, it's not a main theme, the idea that God is looking after him and desires him to understand the relationship, even with God, brings joy. When you understand that it's not about everything going your way, it's not about being super successful, it's not about achieving the American dream, but really it's about having a right relationship with God and having a right relationship with others. And so this morning as we come up to this season of celebrating the birth of Christ, can we look in our lives and say that we have joy, that we're seeking after the joy that only God can give, that we're allowing joy to be manifest within us so that it impacts the people around us. And that we're not carrying a lot of things on ourselves that we shouldn't be carrying. And that we're not doing the things that we should be doing. Because joy is, founding, is found in a right relationship with God and a right relationship with others. And so as we look to God's word, let's precede it with prayer and ask him to speak to us through what he has declared. Father God, we thank you for your love. We thank you for your grace. We thank you that you are steadfast. We thank you that you are a generous God. We thank you that you give us wisdom if we ask for it. We're thankful that you were willing to humble yourself and become as one of us, that you were tempted in every way that we are tempted, but you did not sin, and that you died and rose again to settle the issue, to settle the debt, so that we may have eternal life. Lord, I pray that we would seek after not temporary happiness or temporary thrills, but that we would seek after your joy, the joy only found in you. And so, Lord, I thank you for, for coming to this world. I thank you that you're going to return to this world. I thank you that you're in control and not any of us, and we praise your name. Speak to us now. Uh, help us to understand what you have written, what you've recorded, your words to us today. In Jesus' name, amen. This morning, we're going to be looking at uh, Old Testament and New Testament verses. So if you have your Bible, go ahead and get that out, and it'll be on the screen. It's also in, in the sermon notes, but it's helpful for me to get the big picture of a lot of these issues. Someone came to me and said, thank you for kind of giving the background on things. I think it's so important to have a full understanding of what Bible is teaching us, what God is saying through his word, and not just little tidbits or one verse one here, one verse there. We want the fullness of his word. We want to understand from in the beginning till I will return all those things that he has revealed to us so that we can have a strong knowledge and a strong faith. Well, we're going to begin in Daniel chapter 7. Daniel lived approximately 600 years before Jesus. Daniel was a prophet. Many of you have, were told the story as a child of Daniel in the lion's den. You know of this brave individual who would pray in the midst of adversity. When everyone else was told it's illegal to pray, he prayed, and that got him in big trouble. But through his salvation from the lions, he was then able to establish the Hebrew people even there in Babylon. And as he records things, he sees or has visions of what is yet to come. He talks about in very specific ways things that have not yet happened. He is a prophet of God. God is eternal. A day is like a thousand years and a thousand years is like a day. And so when uh, the Holy Spirit reveals things through these visions and dreams to Daniel, it is God's wisdom that he's giving for us to understand. So as we read in chapter 7, verse 14, here's what he says. I continued watching in the night vision, and suddenly one like a son of man was coming with the clouds of heaven. He approached the Ancient of Days and was escorted before him. He was given dominion and glory and kingdom 
so that those of every people, nation, and language should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away, and his kingdom is one that will not be destroyed. 600 years before the birth of Jesus, Isaiah declared that Jesus would come to be the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. 2,000 years after Jesus' birth, life, resurrection, and death, we see today that we sing a song in December called Joy to the World, the Lord Has Come. Let earth receive her king. This morning, my challenge for all of us, Isaiah declared something through a vision that God had given him, a vision that the king would come to earth, that a king would reign above all other kings. He would be the greatest king of all. And we are told in advance so that we can know this and have this as part of our faith. And so this morning, as we consider this, is he our king? Is he the king of kings? Is he the king of the president? Is he king of the prime minister? Is he king of the governor? Is he king of the mayor? And ultimately for each one of us, is he king of our hearts? Is he king of my life? Is he king of my family? Is he king of my marriage? Is he king of my job? Is he the king of kings that has been declared so long ago for us to look to? The one we sing about, the one we celebrate. See, we all deal with a challenge. It's a challenge that goes back all the way to the Hebrew people, to the Israelites. They wanted to be like everybody else. 1 Samuel 8, 6 through 9 and 18 through 20. Here's what we read. When they said, give us a king to judge us, Samuel considered their demands wrong. So he prayed to the Lord. But the Lord told him, listen to the people and everything they say to you. They have not rejected you. They have rejected, what does it say? Me. They have not rejected you as king. They have rejected me as king. They are doing the same thing to you that they have done to me since the day I brought them out of Egypt until this day, abandoning me and worshiping other gods. Listen to them, but solemnly warn them that, and tell them about the uh, customary rights of the king who will reign over them. Moving ahead to verse 18. When the day comes, you will cry out because of the king you've chosen for yourself. But the Lord won't answer you on that day. The people refused to listen to Samuel. No, they said, no. We must have a king over us. Then we will be like all the other nations. Our king will judge us, go before us, and fight our battles. And so here, the Israelites who have God as their king say, no, we don't want God as our king. I want to be like my neighbor. I want to be like everyone I know. I want to be like everybody else. And I want to have an earthly king. I want to have a king that has flesh and bones, a king that is feeble, a king that has, uh, lacks wisdom and understanding. I want to be led by that. And God says, if that's what you want, I will give you over to an earthly king. But be prepared for the consequences of what you've asked for. Be prepared for the outcome of what you've given yourself over to. It's interesting that they say that this king will be their judge. He will go before them and he will fight their battles. What did they put into this person's uh, power or authority? How much did they look to this one individual for all the answers. The truth of the matter is they chose the wrong king. 
They chose the wrong king. And this morning, the challenge we have, all of us in this room, every human on the earth, is who are we choosing as our king? The one beautiful thing that God has given us, the one amazing fact of life, is that you and I have a choice. We should not have a choice, but we have a choice. Shall we approach the king and allow him to reign in our lives, or shall we reject him and become king ourselves? Or allow something else to be king in our life. You see, the beauty of Christmas is that we're celebrating the birth of the king. We're celebrating the baby who is to be king. The child that came, he was the heavenly king. Now he is the earthly king. The king that will reign one day in David's seat, we're told in the future. That he is the king. And you can't be king when you pick and choose what you listen to that he says. How is he the king if I say, well, I don't really like that king. I don't agree with that. That's not, I, that, that doesn't go along with my perspective, my point of view. That's not really aligning with how I do my own life. I'm going to do my own thing. He can't be king if it's always negotiations. That's not a king. That's a puppet. That's a genie. That's putting something somewhere in a position where we control what that something is. And so this morning, I think all of us in this room have reflected on this. We've all understood this, that, that the importance of putting him as king in our life. But I want to encourage you on something else this morning. I want to encourage you that sometimes we don't allow him to be king in a way that we deny his power within our life. I would suspect that most of us in this room, most of you listening to me right now, your issue is not with denying him as king. But you're like me. Your issue is you try to control it. You try to make it happen. You don't trust him as king. You say, how can you use me in my life? I have so many challenges. Maybe you have health challenges. Maybe you have issues in your family. Maybe you have all these things going on. You say, how could I possibly be used by God with all of these problems? We focus on the issues that keep us from moving forward instead of looking to the king and saying, I submit to you. You're the king. It's your authority. It's your power. You're going to win the battles for me. You're going to go before me. You're going to be the one that deals with the problems. I'm just going to be obedient and follow your path. You see, what we do is we own the kingship even when we say we're allegiant to him because the king is responsible for the winning of the battle. The king is responsible for the outcome. The king is responsible for all of these things that we own ourselves. And we've got to release those things and say, no, you're the king. If you want to use me, you can use me because you're the king. If you want victory in this area of my life, you can do it because you are the king. There is no limitations to what you can do because you are the king. The problem is they chose the wrong king. But we're told in Matthew chapter 2 as we move to the New Testament after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of who? King Herod. So they asked for the king and they got this horrible king that wants to kill all the babies because he's uh, worried that one might take his position. So they get this King Herod. Wise men from the east arrive in Jerusalem saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw a star and it is rising and, has come, and we have come to worship him. 
In Israel, they have been given a promise from Isaiah, from Daniel, that a king would be born. And where? In Bethlehem. And to who? A virgin would give birth and give raise the child, Emmanuel, God with us. They were given all the information. God didn't hide his plan from them or us. And yet they didn't know about it. Herod didn't know about it. He went to his counselors and said, hey, tell me about this king that's supposed to be born. And they say, yes, Bethlehem, we believe, is where he's supposed to be born, but we're not quite sure. And so Herod says to these wise men, these, these magi that had come from afar, he says, hey, if you find him, let me know so I can come worship him. And his form of worship is kill. <laughs> they got what they wanted, the king. What does the king desire to do? Kill any sense of the true king. If we do not recognize that our sinful nature, our sinful lost world, everything around us is influencing us to kill every remnant of an idea of a true king. Everything within us says, you be king. Everything within our culture, every commercial, everything that's promoting us to buy something new, the undergirding principle is you should be king. You should be king. There is no other king but you. Don't worry about anything else. You're the king. And if anything even tries to take your position as king, you must kill it. And that is exactly what Herod did. And yet even in the midst of that, men of wisdom, men of power, you're not getting in to see the king unless you're someone special. So these were special people that came to see Herod. And when they finally found the baby, baby Jesus, they had a gift for him. And what the gift, what was one of the gifts that they gave him? They gave him gold. Now this isn't real gold, obviously. But, because if it was, we could sell it and really help the church a lot. <laughs> but think about it. If you're going to a little baby, we don't know how old Jesus was at the time, but you're not bringing a bar of gold for the baby. The parents might love it, but it's, you know, the baby's going to chew on it or something. It's not a good idea for the baby to get gold. So what was the point of bringing the baby gold? Why bring baby Jesus gold? Because the gift was a symbol of who the child is. Everyone in that time and even today would recognize that gold represents royalty, power, authority, influence. It represents a king. They knew that this child who had been born was born to be the king. And not just any king, but the king. He was born to be the king of kings. And he was born to be king of all of Israel. He was also born to be king of all the world. He was also, being, he was also born to be king of your heart. He was also born to be king of your family. He was also born to be king of your neighborhood. He was also born to be king of everyone you've ever met and ever will meet. He was born to be king. And he's saying, I am king, therefore worship me as king and trust me as king. And I'm, I, I'm, it's easier for me to worship him as king, but then trusting him as king. Trusting that he can take any situation, no matter how bleak, and use it for his glory. That there is nothing in our lives that can keep his power from working out what his desire is for us. 
This morning, let's be like the Magi. Let's travel and go or do whatever the Lord asks us to do because he's the king. If he says in the morning, I would ask you to do this, follow me in belief, follow me and trust me, know that I am with you, understand that I am your king. Do we try to kill that or do we worship that as our king? Do we enable him to lead us in every way that we go? Because he was born to be king. We go all the way to the end of scripture, Revelation chapter 17, verse 14. All right. Revelation 17, 14 says this. These will make war against the lamb. And he's talking about the very end of the age. This is the last battle. This is the end, God bringing all things right. But the lamb will conquer them because he is Lord of lords and king of kings. Those with him are called chosen and faithful. I'm sorry, Bill. <laughs> you know, the Lord speaks out in new and, and unique ways to us today. My question is, as I look at this verse and I think to myself, am I uh, faithful? Have I listened to the calling of God? How do I know that I'm faithful? How do I know that I'm listening to the calling of God? By trusting him as king. That this is the day King Jesus has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. You see, the most beautiful part of all of this is there's only one kingdom that has joy. You know, there's kingdoms that have uh, lustful pleasures. There's kingdoms on earth. One place I can think of is Las Vegas, Sin City, right? It does not have joy. It has pleasure. It has fun. The problem is it is so temporary. And it's so destructive that it undermines itself. There's only one kingdom that produces joy, everlasting, unending, complete joy. And that's Jesus' kingdom. And Jesus said when he was on earth, the kingdom of heaven is amongst you. I am here. To know me is to know and be part of the kingdom. Because I am the king. And the kingdom is built around me. And the more you know me and the more you trust me, the more I can fill you with my everlasting joy. The more you walk with the Lord on a daily basis, the more you look to the Lord as your king, the more his everlasting joy will fill you. You'll begin to deal with things in a new way that you never dealt with them before because his eternal joy will fill you. If you want the joy of the Lord, it is to seek the Lord as your king. Not to seek the Lord as a genie who will obey your wishes but to seek the Lord as your king. This is so important as we come to this season of celebrating his birth. If we just think that this is a holiday, that he was born so that we could give gifts to each other, we miss the whole picture. The gifts are a representation of the greatest gift, that the king is born, and the king will die, and the king will raise, so that we can be part of his kingdom. As we come to the place of celebrating his birth, do we recognize that he is our king? Do we worship him first as our king, and do we trust him in our day-to-day -day life as our king? Have we submitted every area of our thoughts, hearts, emotions to the king? Because in a really practical way, this is something I never heard in church, because I just said, come to church, do the do's, don't do the don'ts. But I never heard love him as my king. I heard about Lord and Savior, but I didn't understand what the Lord part meant. It is to love him as my savior and king, to recognize he is the authority, to recognize he is the one who leads, not me. This morning, 
Are you willing to trust that if he wants to use your life to do a great thing on this planet, do you believe he will and can? Don't limit yourself because of yourself. Don't limit what your life means. I go back to it's a wonderful life. I hope you don't have to have an experience to see what it would be like if your life was different, if you weren't here. I hope that we can recognize this morning the value and privilege and honor and how amazing it is to have Jesus as king. I think it would be wonderful as I was preparing for this message. How wonderful it would be if we lived a couple thousand years ago, a thousand years ago in England, as the king went through, we'd say, long live the king. Long live the king, and there would be pride in the kingdom. There would be pride in the king. There would be an establishment that we have, have done something special. This, this is a special thing. How amazing would it be if every church in the world said, Long live King Jesus in my heart. Long live King Jesus, that every day of my life I can say, Long live King Jesus in my life today. That every day of my life, hooray for Jesus because he is my king. I am weak, I am frail, but he is strong and he will fight my battles. I will not fear, for he is with me. Because he is my king, he is my Lord. He is responsible to fight the battles. He is the one that is responsible to take the stand. I am called to follow him and be obedient of one of his very own. Can you say that this morning? Can you say that in your heart? Long live King Jesus in my heart today. Long live King Jesus in my heart. The best way to apply this, the only way for me to apply this is first I need to consider, am I honest with myself about who's my king? I can say this morning, hey, Jesus is my king, but tomorrow morning, everything I do is based on my own desires, my own wants, my own flesh, that I, I follow the crowd, I do what everyone else is doing. I have the same king everyone else has as their king. I don't look to the one true king. I think honesty is so important that we cannot start the growth until we're honest with ourselves about who we really are. Who am I really? Have I really submitted to him as my Lord in every area of my life? Have I laid it down and said, you are king, I'm going to trust you in it. I'm going to trust you in this situation. I'm going to trust you in this relationship. I'm going to trust you in the adversity of my life. Secondly, I would encourage you to ask Jesus to be Lord of your life regularly. To remind yourself that he is Lord. To declare with your mouth, Jesus, you are Lord. You are king. You are the authority. You are the one I trust. You are the one I believe. I heard someone say the other day, and I think it's profound, we need to start doubting our doubts and believing our beliefs. We need to start putting our faith and trust in the Lord Jesus. And not in economy, not in a government, not in any of those things. Because they are not king. And they were, are very temporary. Thirdly, daily pursue Jesus as Lord. I love listening to other pastors. I love hearing other people's stories. I love gathering in our groups and hearing how God is working in other people's lives. Seek after the Lord, whether it's by reading God's word or prayer or getting together with other believers or listening to something on the computer or the radio that encourages your spirit, that lifts you up. Don't fill your whole day with the negativity of this world. We've all experienced when you get overloaded with news, it does not make you full of joy. 
you get filled up with an overload of God's word, you'll find some joy. You'll find some true happiness. Let's focus our hearts on the things that bring joy. That's seeking and searching after the things of God. Loving Jesus with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then finally, and I think this is so vitally important. Sometimes we ask and pray for things and never say thank you when God does it. Have you ever thought about that? Protect us on this trip. He protects us. But we never say thank you for protecting us. Thank you for providing this. But in the end, please provide for this. Thank Jesus for the joy of having him as king. What if every day we committed to say, thank you for being my king? You didn't have to. You chose to. Thank you for loving me. Joy to the world, the Lord has come. Let me receive him as my king. Thank you. Thank you for becoming that baby. Thank you for living this fleshly life so that I could have salvation. Thank you that it's not up to me to solve all the problems. Thank you that it's not up to me to make it all work out. Thank you that I'm not the king, and you are. Thank you for that. What an amazing blessing. What a, what a load of weight lifted off my shoulders knowing that I don't have to fix everything. I don't have to solve all the problems. I don't have to make it all right. That's why I'm his servant. That's why he's my king. He's going to do it, not me. I'm just going to follow him. Let's do this together. Let's be brothers and sisters. Let's follow the father who has set the example. This morning, what is the Lord telling you? What is he saying to your heart? What is he encouraging you with? What is he challenging you with? Let's take a moment and allow him to truly saturate us with his truth and wisdom and take a moment to speak directly to him and respond to what he's saying.